can be dismissed to children's worship at this time. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me in your, in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. <clears throat> we'll be looking this morning at verses 1 through 10. We've been uh, in the midst of a series called I Am, looking at the various I Am statements in the Gospel of John. And uh, John chapter 10 has two of them, uh, kind of all together and part of the same instruction. So the, we'll look at the first one this morning and the second one next week. Uh, so the, the first one is, I am the door. The second one is, I am the good shepherd. And both of, the, both of those are tied around the, the same sort of teaching and discourse and imagery about uh, shepherd and sheep. But the uh, focus next week will be on the, the shepherd imagery. This week is on the door. So John 10, verses 1 through 10. I invite you to bow as we ask for the Spirit's anointing on His Word. Lord God, as we come together, Lord, uh, under Your Word and to Your Word, I pray that You would fill us with Your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that Your Word would be planted deep in us, that we might hear it and understand it correctly and with hearts that are cultivated to receive it, and that it might bear fruit, O Lord, that would be for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> if you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. John 10, verses 1 through 10. <clears throat> Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, and this will be, these next verses will be really the focus of the message. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And gate, by the way, I prefer the translation door, uh, which is a more literal translation. So I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You may be seated. <clears throat> When I was a boy, I had a uh, recurring nightmare. In my dream, I was uh, playing basketball by myself uh, in a driveway at our home, and, and we lived in a, a rural area of Minnesota, so we had nothing but, there was farm fields all around, and the nearest neighbor was about a half mile on the road, so just, uh, just open fields and, and, a, and a road, a couple roads that went, went by. And so in this dream, I was playing basketball in our driveway at our home, and I saw a car drive by. And there was something about that car that just seemed a little, 
a little off or a little dark. And, and as I watched it, I saw the brake lights come on and, and the car began to back up. And it backed up and it began to pull into our driveway. And when I saw the driver of the car, I, I knew that this was not just some sort of innocent man, you know, stopping to ask for directions or something like that. This was an evil man. He was coming after me. And so in my dream, I, I dropped the basketball and I ran for the door to our home. And as I got to the door, I realized that it was locked. And so I scrambled to find the hidden key and I brought the key to the door and I was fumbling trying to get the key into the door. And as I was doing that, I heard the car door slam shut and, and the, 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 the footsteps of this man coming towards me. And still I'm fumbling with a key and trying to get the key into the door and my hands are trembling. And, and, and just as the, the man's hands were reaching out to grab me, I would wake up. And I would have this dream again and again and again, sometimes with, with you know, different sorts of variations and things like that. And I'm still not sure what it meant or why I had that dream. And please don't attempt to psychoanalyze me or my childhood dreams this morning. That's not the point. But the dream always revolved around this, this idea of, of danger and safety. And it always revolved around the door. And in our text this morning, Jesus tells what he calls a figure of speech. It's really a sort of mini parable uh, that revolves around those, some of those same elements, safety and danger, and, and the whole thing revolves around a door. Now, like the other sayings of Jesus, if we want to fully understand the significance of this one, we have to, again, understand the background and the context in which it was spoken. So Jesus gives us here a word picture or a, a parable that mainly concerns sheep and their safety or, or protection from threatening enemies. That's kind of the, the big picture. And some of the images uh, throughout his uh, teachings, they kind of shift a little bit and they blend into each other a little. So he's a shepherd at one point, he's the door at another point, and different things like that. Uh, but the overall picture is clear enough. In, the, in these opening verses, the sheep represent the people of God. They are the, the true believers, those who have been drawn to Christ in true faith. And as we'll see next week, it's, it's significant and it's uh, very fitting that the people of God are described as sheep because sheep are notoriously helpless and defenseless and prone to wander and to get lost and to get themselves into trouble and in, in constant need of a shepherd. The sheep pen uh, represents the kingdom of God and the safety and the protection from enemies that the kingdom provides. The robbers and the thieves represent the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who are really false shepherds. They may claim to have the best interest of the sheep in mind, but by rejecting Jesus, they have shown themselves to be those who only seek to, to steal and kill and destroy the sheep. And then finally, as we will see, the door to the sheep pen represents Jesus. Now, to make sure that we have the right picture in our minds as we uh, contemplate and ponder Jesus' words, uh, it would be helpful to say just a little bit more about the sheep pen. Uh, the sheep pen in Jesus' day was not, you know, a rickety wooden fence like we sometimes imagine. Most of the sheep pens were open-air enclosures made of stone, so it looked something like this. They would often have thorns or briars around the top to ward off intruders and thieves, and if the sheep pen was in a village, it would often be attached to a building or sometimes attached to a home, and, and multiple people could, could use it. But many times, uh, the sheep pens were located out in the countryside. And uh, 
looking something like this. And the language that Jesus uses here in John 10 suggests that he has in mind one of these, these countryside sheep pens, and one, one that was most likely uh, quite large, larger probably than, than this one, and we would be able to hold multiple flocks of sheep. And, and that would work out just fine because uh, uh, so you'd have multiple flocks in one sheep pen, and uh, there'd be no problem getting the sheep confused because the sheep knew the shepherd's voice. So each flock had their own shepherd. The shepherd would just go into there and, and call out to the sheep, and only that shepherd's sheep would respond to his voice and follow him out. And so each shepherd would go in and do that, and their sheep would, would follow them out, out of the pen. There has been some debate about the doorway to the sheep pen. Uh, maybe you are familiar with, with this. It's commonly said that the door or the gate to the sheep pen was an open doorway and that the shepherd himself served as the door or the gate by lying across that, open, that opening throughout the night to protect the sheep from, from, uh, from predators and things like that. And so uh, it's been commonly depicted something like this. You see the sheep pen and there's the opening, the doorway is open uh, this open opening, and there's the shepherd uh, lying, placing himself in the opening as the door or the gate to the pen. We do know that this was a practice uh, by some Middle Eastern shepherds in more recent history, but there is, uh, to the best of my knowledge, there is no evidence that this was a practice in Jesus' day. And the concept really, frankly, doesn't uh, match the details of Jesus' parable, at least here in this particular text. And so, as tempting as it may be to imagine that what Jesus means when he says that he is the door is that he is the one who gives his own body and puts his own life on the line for the protection and safety of the sheep, and as true as that may be theologically, it is probably not what he is intending to convey in this particular parable. I think it's better to think of an actual door or gate that would look maybe perhaps something like that. Now, before we move on, I should say one more thing in terms of background, and that is that the teaching of chapter 10 uh, flows right out of John chapter 9. And in chapter 9, if you are familiar with, with that chapter, we see Jesus healing a blind man. And the blind man responds, if you remember, I think I mentioned this last week, the blind man responds by believing in Jesus and worshiping him. And the Pharisees, we see, we see the Pharisees and the religious leaders responding harshly to the blind man. They, they get more and more annoyed and, and, and upset at him as the, as the chapter goes on, and they, they, they insult him and they throw him out of the synagogue. And it's right on the heels of this incident in chapter 9 that Jesus tells this little parable about the sheep and the sheep pen. And as we, uh, as, as we read this morning, Jesus tells this parable to the Pharisees. And so the message is really quite clear that, that is the, the blind man of chapter 9 is one of the sheep. He's a member of God's own flock. And the Pharisees are showing themselves to be robbers and thieves who set themselves against the flock and come only to steal and kill and destroy. And so it's against this, this background that, we, that, that Jesus reveals himself as the door to the sheep pen. And we see in his teaching in these verses three benefits that we as sheep receive through him as the door. The first, the first benefit is salvation. Jesus says, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And so the message in this saying is very clear, though it is not a popular or a politically correct message in our culture today. 
the message is that Jesus is the only way to salvation. That's the very clear teaching in the image and the clear teaching uh, throughout the, the rest of the Scripture as well. Just as there was only one door, only one way into the refuge of the sheep pen, so it is only through Jesus that we enter into the kingdom of God. We see the same idea in John 14, verse 6, which is another one of the I am statements where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We see it in the words of Peter in Acts 4, verse 12, where he says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That Jesus is the door means he is the only way to salvation, the only entrance into everlasting life. As John said in his letter, again making it very clear, whoever has the Son of God has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. This is the clear teaching of Jesus and the clear teaching of Scripture, however unpopular it may be, in our culture. I remember R.C. Sproul telling a story one time about when he was a college student, and he was a, a college student at a secular university where his uh, English professor was very openly and, and uh, outspokenly hostile and opposed to Christianity. And one day she asked uh, R.C. Sproul in front of the whole class, she said, Mr. Sproul, do you think that Jesus is the only way to God? And it kind of put him on the spot. He wasn't expecting that question, and he was sort of started to fumble over his, his response, and he didn't want to just come right out and say, you know, because it was, it was just an awkward kind of a moment. And so he kind of, finally he got it out, but he kind of mumbled it, and she said, well, can you say that again? And he said, he said yes, I do think that Jesus is the only way to God. And he says that she just laid into him, and so that is the most arrogant, narrow-minded bigoted statement I have ever heard. And he was so humiliated by her scathing rebuke in front of the class that he just sort of shrank back into his chair and didn't say a word. But he did go up to his professor after class, and if you know, are familiar with R.C. Sproul and his teaching, you can imagine his, I mean, he's a brilliant mind, but also a, a humble man of God. And so, in, in, a, in a sort of, a, in, a, in a humble but direct way, he went up to his professor after class and explained that his statement was not at all a matter of narrow-minded bigotry that stems from his own arrogant claims, but is in fact a matter of wholehearted devotion to the one who made those claims. But this is the challenge that we face as believers. The message of Jesus and his exclusive claims will rub the world the wrong way. And if we adhere to his teaching and live by his claims, we will be met, and we are met, and increasingly are met with hostility and opposition. So either we just go with the way of the, with the culture and kind of hide corners and, and, don't, and don't claim to, you know, don't adhere to the claims of Jesus, or we boldly do so and then expect the resistance that will come. That Jesus is the door means he is the only way into the kingdom, the only means of salvation, the only path to God, the only source of the forgiveness of sin, and the only hope of everlasting life. The second benefit that, we, that comes through Jesus as the door is freedom. Jesus says of the sheep, they will come in and go out and find pasture. And that word pasture is a translation of a, 
a pretty rare Greek word, nome, that refers to an expansive place to graze, an extensive grassland that's in contrast to, to cultivated fields. And so the, the word is a word that, that, that conveys uh, uh, the image of, of room to roam and freedom to roam about and an expansive place to explore and graze to your heart's delight. And this kind of freedom, of course, is closely tied to the security provided by the shepherd because it's only in the, in the watchful and protective presence of the shepherd that we have this true freedom to roam and, and graze without fear. And this is what we are given in Christ. He's come to give us the freedom to roam and graze within the confines of his expansive kingdom. It is a glorious freedom, but it's a freedom that is tied to his presence and his instruction. So Jesus said, for example, in John 8, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So true freedom is found in Christ and a life lived according to his teaching. Paul had the same idea when he said to the Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And again, Peter's said the same thing when he said, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. And so the Christian life is a life of glorious freedom. It's, it's freedom from slavery to sin and freedom from the empty way of life that's handed down to us and freedom from the hopeless way of the world. It's, it's the glorious, beautiful freedom. But it's not a freedom to do whatever we want. It's a freedom instead to explore the wide expanse of what truly satisfies, a freedom to roam and graze within the infinite delights of the kingdom. Maybe it will help to think of it this way. Imagine an 80-acre horse ranch, and these 80 acres have like everything that a horse could ever possibly want or dream of. It's got rolling hills and apple trees and and trails that are, you know, winding through, the, through shade trees. It's got a winding river and a spring-fed lake and, and these, these big uh, uh, hilly grassy areas where it can roll around and, and, and a, a food supply that never, ever runs out. So anything that a horse wants is all provided and there in these 80 beautiful acres of property. And suppose that those 80 acres are surrounded by a fence in order to keep predators out and to prevent the horses from wandering off into places that would only do them harm. And so they're free to roam and to graze to their heart's content within the confines of that fenced 80-acre beautiful property. I think that's a picture of the kind of freedom that we have in Christ. It's not a freedom to do whatever we want and indulge whatever sinful passions we desire. There are limits and boundaries. And sometimes I think we as Christians are, especially younger Christians, can think that, you know, well, it's, it's restrictive. You know, the, the, the Christian life is a restrictive life. We've got these rules. We have, we have the laws that, that God has revealed and, and the, the will of God that we have to abide by and the, the teaching of Scripture. And all of it is, is confining and it's restrictive and there's no freedom in that. And if only we could escape that and get out of that and live the way of the world, there's true freedom in the way of the world. We're, you know, kind of unshackled from these, uh, from these restrictions and, and, and laws of God that he reveals to us. And it's such a backwards way of thinking because outside of the confines of that fence is emptiness and destruction and loss 
and hopelessness, whereas true freedom is found only within the confines of those gorgeous, beautiful 80 acres. So there are limits and boundaries, but it is a glorious freedom within the confines of God's revealed word and will. It's a freedom to roam the land where all of our deepest needs are fully met and to graze on that which truly satisfies as we follow Christ and live by his teaching. Uh, the, the renowned Bible teacher Warren Wearsby, who died a couple of years ago, uh, I think put it uh, helpfully when he said this. He said, Christian freedom, it doesn't mean the right to do whatever we please. It means we have the privilege of following Christ and doing what pleases him. And I would add that it is also in doing that that we find our deepest satisfaction and our deepest joy and our deepest delight. True freedom, he says, is life controlled by truth and motivated by love. The third benefit that comes through Jesus as the door is abundance. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We know, of course, that Jesus came to give us life, but sometimes we think of this gift of life as nothing more than sort of the end game, right? The, a gift of everlasting life that is ours in the age to come, in the future. When Jesus says that he came that we may have life to the full, he isn't talking only about everlasting life in the age to come. He's talking about fullness of life even here and now, that there is abundance to be had in this life. The expression to the full is a translation of the Greek word parasos, and it means a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than one would expect or anticipate. The word has connotations of the sort of superfluous generosity and an overflowing, extravagant, lavish abundance. Maybe some of you remember when there used to be a, a, a different pizza buffet in Appleton other than Pizza Ranch. Anybody remember what, what, what that was? Long ago? Huh? What was it? Oh, uh, Stevie B's. Did anybody say Stevie B's? Am I the only one who ever went to Stevie B's? Okay, Pete. All right. Pete and I went to Stevie B's apparently. Nobody else. Okay, Stevie B's Pizza Buffet. It used to be here in Appleton, and uh, it was, uh, they had pretty decent food. Um, but they, were, they also had a game room that was attached to their, to their buffet. And so I think their motto was something like, come for the food, stay for the games, or something like that. So it was one of these, a game room that had the kind of games that you play, and you, you, you get tickets, and you take your tickets to a counter to get all kinds of junk, right? It was, it was one of those kinds of, those kinds of game, uh, game rooms. And so I remember, this is maybe uh, 10 years or so ago, that we were at Stevie B's Pizza Buffet, and, uh, and after we, we ate our food, I went into the game room. I think Ethan was maybe like three years old or something like that. And, and uh, I, I think I took him into the game room just to kind of check out the games. And, and I remember when we were in there, and it's this, this still stand, I can still see it so clearly, there was a boy uh, who was playing one of the games. He had his cap, his cap on backwards and his shoes were untied. And he was just so intently focused on this game that he was playing, trying to earn these tickets. And as we were in that game room, uh, his... His determination must have finally paid off because he won the jackpot. And everybody in that room, everybody in the restaurant, I think, knew that he won the jackpot because the lights went off and it started, the, the buzzer was going and, and the, the whole thing was just flashing and, and, uh, and this kid was just beaming with delight as he knelt down on the ground and held out his hands to receive his tickets. And the tickets started coming out 
And, and uh, the jackpot was this, it was an insanely huge number. I think it was like over a thousand tickets. So he holds out his hands and of course uh, it, they overflow his hands and he takes off his cap and he puts his cap and, and it fills the cap and then overflows the cap. And there he is kneeling on the floor and the tickets just keep coming out until his whole lap is covered and they're overflowing onto the, onto the floor. Well, that's a picture of Parasos. A superabundance, abounding and, and overflowing more than enough and more than you expect. And that's the kind of life that Jesus says he came to give. He didn't come to give us just enough to get into heaven. He came to lavish us with, with grace upon grace and blessing upon blessing and gift upon gift. He came to give us lives that are brimming and overflowing with, with kingdom fruitfulness. John Piper said the human heart wants more than life. He says we want abundant life, overflowing life, deep life, weighty life, joyful life. He says we want to thrive at every level of our human being. This is what we were made for, and this is what Jesus came to give. And we've got to get this clear in our heads. The abundant life is not about having stuff. That's not what, at all, what, if that's our, our idea of the abundant life, then we're, we, 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 don't, we haven't grasped it at all. It's about having God and His peace and His joy and all the other spiritual blessings that He lavishes on us in Christ. And that's what Christ has come to give. And that's what we find through Him as the door. So these are the the benefits, the blessings that come to those who receive Christ as the door. He gives the sheep the blessings of salvation and of freedom and of an abundant life. These are the blessings that our souls most deeply crave, blessings that are far richer and, and deeper and weightier than we can fully comprehend. And there's only one way to attain them. There's only one door into the sheep pen. It's through faith in Christ alone that these blessings are realized. See, the, the, the teaching of Jesus comes with both a promise and a warning. That the promise is that those who enter through him as the door attain all of these blessings of the kingdom. The warning for those like the Pharisees is that those who reject him forfeit all of those blessings and remain under the wrath and judgment of the Father. So enter through the small gate, as Jesus said in another of the Gospels. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. May we be among the few who enter through the door of true faith in Christ and live May we turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's bow together. Well, Lord Jesus, you have said that you are the door. The only way into the sheep pen, 
the only way into the kingdom of God and the only way to attain all of the blessings that that kingdom affords, the blessings of salvation and true freedom and a life of abundance. Oh, Lord, if we have not already, I pray for your Holy Spirit to do your work, O oh Lord, to awaken our hearts, to receive you, Lord Jesus, as the only way to salvation, as the only way into the blessings of the kingdom. If we are still craving those desires of the world and the desires of the flesh and resisting you, O oh Lord, as the door, may you awaken our hearts to walk in and to receive you. And if we have already, O oh Lord, then deepen our appreciation and our wonder and our gratitude for all of the blessings of the kingdom that come to your sheep and the wonder and amazement of being part of the sheep pen. Lord, hear our silent prayers of response this morning as we come before your throne. Oh, Lord, lead us this morning to the life more abundant and free, life that is found, Lord, only in you as the only door into the extravagant, overflowing, superfluous, abundant blessings of the kingdom. Oh, Lord, lead us there. May we delight in them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.